0: All right, y'all, we are diving into um, a series that we've been in for four weeks now. And if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 11. If you're a guest with us today, either in uh, the building or online, I just want to say we welcome you. Come on, would you give it up for our guest this morning? My, my prayer and my hope for every person that comes to Clawson is that they would they would see and get a beautiful example of a group of people that love Jesus and act like Jesus. And I hope that if you are a guest with us this morning, that that is what you have received. A group of people, a church family that loves Jesus and acts like Jesus and is is being a good job of being an example of Jesus to you. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11, we're in this series called Guess What I Have. Everybody turn to your neighbor and tell them, guess what I have. And so this is week four in the series so far. We've talked about week one was I have been called. Everybody say called. called. And so we're looking at the life of David in the Bible in this whole series. It's seven weeks on the life of David. The very first thing that we talked about week one was how David was called. Jesse, uh, his father uh, Samuel went to Jesse's house and, and you saw the calling of David. And then we talked about how every single person in this room has been called just like David. God's got a calling on your life. God's got a calling on my life. He's got a calling on every person's life in here. And so we dove into what that looks like to have a calling. God has a calling on you. We two was that I have been equipped. Here's what we learn when we look at the life of David is that God was equipping David for everything in his future in his present. He was equipping David to fight the giant when he was a shepherd and he fought the bear and the lion. He was equipping David to be the king when he was in there with Saul and he was playing the harp and he was right next to him. He was equipping him. And what we need to know from that is God is using the things that we go through right now to equip us with the future that he has for us. Amen. Last week, I preached to you. I have a mission. Guess what I have? I have a mission We talked about Cuba. We talked about the mission in Cuba that we have going on there. We talked about the mission that God has for every single person in this room because his calling may change on your life, but his mission does not change. His mission is that we spread the gospel of Jesus with as many people as we can. And if you're not doing that mission, well, you're out of his will. Amen? All right, this is, um, also y'all, I have given a memory verse for every single series. How many of y'all have done the memory verses? Okay, about 10, perfect. Uh, Listen, for the 10 of you, let me give you your new memory verse. And for the other 500 of you, I'm going to, okay, I'm just going to tell you the memory verse. Uh, So the memory verse is, guess what I have is the series, the memory verse. And if you have done the memory verses, let me just go ahead and share with you. It's so easy and you can win some, some cool stuff. Like at the end of the year, we're drawing a name from the people that memorize the memory verse. and so we're giving away a cruise at the end of the year. How many of y'all like cruises? I wish y'all liked cruises as much as you like to memorize memory verses. <clears throat> okay, here we go. So the, the memory verse is this. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, By his divine power, God has given me, God has given you, God has given us, everything that we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this. By coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. Here's, guess what I have? I have been given everything I need to live a godly life. That's what we need to memorize. Because so many times Satan tries to tell us that we haven't been given everything that we need. Satan tries to tell us that that all kinds of things, but I have been given, it's what the Bible says, everything I need to live a godly life. Well, that's just me. No, it's not. You've been given everything that you need. Somebody say amen. Amen. So here we go. The the message that I want to preach to you today, memorize the memory verse. You can say it for the next four weeks in the back. Uh, The message that I want to preach to you today is very close to my heart because I have a lot of these. The message is, I have made mistakes. I have made mistakes. I had one woo and that was it. Come on, y'all. Am I the only person in the room that makes mistakes? I have made mistakes. Mistakes. Look with me at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're gonna dive into the mistakes of David, which are many. <laughs> uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11, it says, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight against the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rebbe. Uh, however, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Okay, I could preach a whole message on this one scripture. When you are in the wrong place at the wrong time. Anybody ever been there? What was David supposed to be doing? David was supposed to be fighting with the other kings, fighting with the other army. He was supposed to be with his men, and instead he was chilling and being lazy at the house. Anybody ever made that mistake? Okay. Verse 2. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, (laughs) David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace as he looked over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and, and he was told, this is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Okay, I want you to write this down in your notes, okay? If she's married, it's a no. Ladies, write this one down. If he's married, it's a no. That should have been a first clue. That should have been a first clue. She's married. Everybody say, it's a no. It's a no. Okay, but David decided that it wasn't a no for him. So guess what David does? He calls her. It says, then David sent messengers to her. This is verse four. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She said, just, she had just completed the purification rites after her uh, menstrual period. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was present, pregnant, she sent a message to David saying, I'm pregnant. Okay, so David makes a bunch of really, really bad mistakes. He was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Mistake number one. Everybody say one. Okay, and then it says that he's chilling, resting midday. He gets up and he looks out and he lusts. Everybody say mistake number two. Then he begins to find out who she is. He finds out that she's married and he calls her anyway. Everybody say mistake number three. Then he has full-blown adulterous fornication with her. Everybody say mistake number four. four. Okay, we're just gonna keep counting, y'all. Because now what he does is instead of doing what's right and coming to to, uh, repenting for his mistakes, when he finds out she's pregnant, the Bible says that he calls for her husband to come home and he's gonna try to hide his sin by having Uriah go home and sleep with his wife to make it look like this baby that's gonna be born is Uriah's son. And it doesn't work. He calls Uriah to come home. And let's look at what Uriah does. Verse 9. But Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him and asked, What's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? And Uriah replied, Listen to this. The ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents. And Joab, my master's men, are camping in open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear I would never do such a thing. Pretty much what Uriah says is, everything that you're doing, I wouldn't do that. I'm not that kind of guy. Verse 12, David says, well, stay here today then. David told him, and tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next day. Then David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. Mistake number 37. (laughs) But even then, he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Again, he slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. Now, if all those mistakes weren't big enough, he can't figure out how to deceive Uriah into going home and sleeping with his wife So he hands Uriah a letter to take to Joab that the letter that this man is carrying is his death sentence. And he gives it to Joab and Joab opens the letter and it says, I want you to take Uriah and I want you to put him at the worst part of where the enemy is fighting and I want you to pull back the men and I want him to die. He kills and murders a woman because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He lusted, he fornicated with her, he got her pregnant, he deceived and it didn't work, and so he murdered him. I have made mistakes. Wow. Verses 26 and 27. When Uriah's wife heard about her husband, that he was dead, she mourned for him. And when the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace and she became one of his wives. Then she gave birth to a son. Look at this. But the Lord was displeased with what David had done. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. God, I pray that you would use this message today to speak to your people. I pray as we dig into the word right now, that you would give each and every one of us a word from you today. As we dive into our own mistakes, as we look at our own mistakes, I pray that you would Help us to see what it is that you need us to see to be able to move past the mistakes that we've been living in right now. In your precious name, I pray. And everybody said? Okay, so we're looking at and thinking about David. It's real easy to cast judgment on David when we're reading his story, isn't it? But the truth is that every single person in this room has got some pretty big mistakes. The truth is, if we take our eyes off of David and we look at ourselves, what we're gonna find is that Maybe ours aren't quite as ugly as David was because, man, he got some big ones right there. But what you're going to find is some mistakes. If you will allow yourself to take your eyes off of everybody else, like Jesus said, and put your eyes on yourself, what you're going to find is there's probably some things there that, that you need to get past, you need forgiveness for, and you need to confess. There's probably some things that we have done. So it's so important for us to talk about mistakes because a lot of times we have a lot of trouble getting past mistakes. And that's what the next three weeks is going to be all about, getting past those mistakes. Okay, so as we dive into this, number one in your notes, what's the very first thing you need to know about mistakes? Number one, all of us make mistakes. I'm going to try that again. All of us make mistakes. If you really dig into the Bible, here's what you're going to find out you're going to find that it's actually a lot more common in the Bible to read about mistakes than it is to read about successes. Because even though we're God's people, we do stupid things sometimes. Amen? If we go back to the very beginning, the very beginning, uh, Genesis chapter 1, God creates everything. Genesis chapter 2, it kind of gives an evaluation. Genesis chapter 3, everybody say chapter 3. Okay, out of this whole Bible, chapter 3 is our first mistake. And it's a big one. Genesis chapter three is when we do our very first mistake, and the Bible tells us, God tells us, don't eat from the tree, and we eat from the tree. Very first mistake. And then what happens? Then we just got a whole line of mistakes after that. Okay, so Adam and Eve, you got the mistake that they have. Then you have Cain kills Abel. Then you have Abraham lies. Jacob was a thief. Joseph was full of himself Jonah slept with his daughter-in-law Noah gets drunk I haven't even got started on the mistakes of the judges or the kings How about as we dive into the New Testament Matthew was a tax collector John the Baptist was nuts Peter had an attitude problem Judas betrayed Jesus Thomas doubted Paul writes over and over again How he wants to do what's right But somehow he does what's wrong Anybody ever struggle with that? Or was it just the people in the Bible? Here's what you need to know, y'all. Every single person makes mistakes. And it's not just before I follow Jesus that I make mistakes. It's actually my whole life. Amen. See, I, I think in the Christian world, what we, mistakes, BC, like before Christ, they're like, oh, okay, that's okay. You're a new creation in Christ. But when we, mis- when we make mistakes, there's so much, like, it's, it's this thing in the church where we have a hard time having grace with people when they're a Christian. Amen? You should have known better than that. Well, bro, you just hid your mistakes. You shouldn't want nobody to know about it. At least I confess mine. Everybody makes mistakes. David was the man after God's own heart. This point in his life is after he's already been anointed to be king. He has become king. He has been king. God has used him over and over again. And he still makes this gigantic mistake. Multiples of them. What am I saying? I'm saying you have to watch yourself because we make mistakes and Satan is so good at getting into us. All we got to do is be in the wrong place at the wrong time and see the wrong woman and do the wrong thing and say the wrong thing and have the wrong thoughts and Satan can get into us and, and have us make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. It's not just before Jesus. So stop judging everybody else and take a look at yourself. Here's what Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says. Everyone has sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Man, if I started naming my mistakes, even my mistakes after I started following Jesus, we could write a book, y'all. Big old thick one. Amen? Amen? And I'm not saying that to glorify or lift up my mistakes. I'm saying that because you need to understand it doesn't matter how many mistakes you've had in your past. He's still forgiving you. He's still right there beside you. He's still like, if you'll just keep walking, don't allow Satan to stop you. Don't allow Satan to pour shame and guilt. You just keep moving. Yes, it's been hard. Yes, you made mistakes. Yes, sometimes life sucks, but you got to keep going. One of the things that I love about this church is that at this church, we get to be dangerously authentic. Amen. Now, I, I do want you to understand that does not mean we're giving you excuses for mistakes because yeah. yes, there is no excuses for mistakes. What that means is that just like God has grace with our mistakes, in this church, we create a culture and set a culture where pastor's gonna have grace too. And if pastor has grace, the other pastors better have some grace. And if they have grace, the leaders better have some grace. And if they have some grace, dadgum church people, we got to have grace on people. What does that mean? That means we're authentic. We can come and we can confess and we can say I was stupid. And we can say, help me move forward and help me put the things in my life that I need to stop making the mistakes that I make. Amen. That's one of the things that I love about this church. Here's what you need to know. Number one, we all make mistakes. Number two. This one's harder, y'all. Mistakes have consequences. When we're tempted to make mistakes, you know one of the things that Satan is so good at trying to convince us of? No one's gonna find out. How about this one? God's gonna forgive you anyways. He always does. Nobody's gonna know about it. It's such a small mistake. It'll be worth it. Because you get it now and you can go to the altar later. He's pretty dadgum good at it, is he not? But I bet if we knew the consequences for the mistakes that we were making before we made the mistakes, there would probably be a good chance that a lot of the mistakes that we made, we would have switched that if we would have known the consequences. I bet David would have never slept with Bathsheba if he would have known all the mistakes, all the consequences that he was gonna have for his actions. So, so let's dig into that. What does that look like? At the very beginning, well, let's, let's dig into David. Second Samuel chapter 12, verses 9 to 14. I want you to see his consequences, because if you've never read into this, it's a lot. His whole life is shifted because of this moment. His children are affected because of this moment. Look at this. Second Samuel chapter 12, verses 9 to 14. Why have you despised this is Nathan talking to David? Why have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the, with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, listen, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me in taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done, I will cause your household to, re, to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes. He will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I'm going to make it happen open in the sight of all of Israel. And then verse 13, this is my favorite part of the whole thing. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for the sin. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing By doing this, your child will die. Look at the consequences, y'all. Let me tell you something. Everything that Nathan said came to pass. His family lived by the sword for the rest of his life. His son raped his daughter. Her brother Absalom killed his son, the other son. Absalom rebels against David and gets himself killed. His, his son Adonijah rebels and tries to take the kingdom. And finally, he has to establish Solomon as the king. And his family lived by the sword. They came against each other, killing each other until he died. Not only that, but how about the, the sexual mistakes of his sons? One of his sons rapes his own daughter. Solomon, who is the son that becomes king, has, I forget, I think 700 wives, 300 concubines, 300 wives, 700, anyway, 900 I think is the total, or 1,000. He got so many you can't count. And tons of them were going completely against God because God said, I don't want you to marry people that are coming from other places and, and foreign women with other gods and all those things. Solomon brings them right into his home. David's sexual sin affected himself, affected his whole family, affected his sons. It continued throughout the generation. I bet if he knew that his whole family was going to be destroyed because of his sin, he'd he'd have probably change his mind. There are consequences for my mistakes. It's quiet. Listen, I've, I've got I've got a very addictive personality. anybody ever noticed that about me? Like very, don't laugh at me. I saw you with that ice cream the other night. (laughs) I got a very addictive personality, y'all. I mean, I can try something and like it and like I'm done. Like the next 30 days, you're not going to find me because I'm doing that. But I, I tried skydiving. Loved it. I was like getting up at four in the morning to drive on the other side of Houston to skydive so I could be back by lunch to work the rest of the day. Uh, I, tr- I got a tattoo and I liked it. And now I got them all over me. I got, I mean, energy drinks, I tried them and almost died because I was drinking so many of them. I mean, I've just got this really addictive personality. I hate it, but it's like, you try something, you like it, boom, not just do it all the time. Anybody else, is that just me? Okay, thank you, Jesus, that I've got other mistakers like myself. Uh, <laughs> And so I, I can I, I I said that because I I had, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I had a pretty bad sexual addiction that I was dealing with, and I'm talking about consequences. There's there's consequences to your mistakes. I'll never forget. I was um, my boys were very young, and I was being tempted with this addiction. I'd, been, I'd bro- you, you ever like break an addiction? and then you mess up and then you got, got all this guilt and the shame and then you break the addiction and you mess up. You, you may go for two years where you're good, but then you just find this weak moment and you mess up and then guilt and shame. So I'm, I'm at this place in my life and uh, I, I'm being just tormented with falling into this end, into this addiction. And, uh, and so I can remember battling and battling and battling with it. And I'll never forget the Lord spoke to me at that time. And here's what he said to me. I'll never forget it because it is exactly what I needed to hear. He said, if you continue to fall into that addiction, your sons are gonna live in that addiction that you're struggling with right now. (laughs) When I heard those consequences, it shifted. Every single time after that, I was tempted with that addiction. It was like, I ain't doing that. There's no way I'm doing that. You know why? Because I'm not putting my kids in that bondage. And so it was like, so the Lord spoke to me and said, your addiction is going to affect not just you. Your addiction is going to affect those that are under you because of your sin. It's going to go into your generation. And so from that moment on, I'll be going to break that off. Break that off, break that off, break that off. Here's what you need to understand this morning. There's consequences. There's consequences. There's consequences for sin. There's consequences for mistakes. There's consequences for doing stupid things. There's always consequences. A lot of time in our life, what we do is we ask, God, why are these things happening to me? Anybody ever been there? Can I give you some some hard truth? Okay, sometimes things are happening to you because we live in a broken world and sometimes life is just hard and it stinks. Sometimes we're living in the mess that we created and it's the consequences to the actions that we chose to have. And we're going, God, I don't understand. Why am I living in this? And he's going, well, you, you made your bed and now you're dealing with the consequences. Don't come to me and, and you did that. There are consequences to your mistakes. I, I do, that's hard, y'all, but it's true. Can, can I encourage you to, though? There is also blessing to your obedience. And so if you're in here and you're thinking to yourself, my God, I have made so many mistakes. I don't even want to try to do this because <laughs> I'm going to be living in those consequences. Well, you're going to live in the consequences either way. But here's what I want to... If you want to shift from having consequences of mistakes to having blessings of obedience, now's the time to shift. And what you're going to see in your life is this shift go from you've made your bed to you're making a new bed. And this bed is made of blessing and this bed is made of obedience. Listen, God says, he tells to Israel and he tells us today, you can choose, you choose life or death. You choose blessing or cursing. You choose. And because of your actions, You're going to receive life or death. Don't go to me saying, well, I'm making all these stupid decisions, and I slept with this person, and I did this, and I did that, and I want you to change my circumstances. You put yourself in the circumstances. If you want to change it, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some discipline. It's going to take some life changes. But God will bless you if you will change. I'm running out of time. So, number one, we all make mistakes. Number two, there's consequences to your mistakes. Number three, do not hide your mistakes on them. If we look at David's story, here's what happens. God, Samuel, Nathan, sorry, Nathan tells David, You did it in private. Because you did it in private and you tried to hide it. I'm going to do it in public. I don't know about you, but I would rather keep all of mine just in public so that the things that I have, um, God does not have to reveal them in public and destroy me or destroy my name. Amen? And so here, listen to me. Don't hide your mistakes. Own them. I love what David says when Samuel tells him all the things. Here's what David says in verse 13. I have sinned against the Lord. Here's what he's saying. You're right. It's true. I own up. It's my fault. Boom, here's the truth. Nathan, you're right. I have sinned. Now, why is it so many times that we have trouble saying that sentence? Why is it so many times that unless someone finds out What we've done, we're not interested in confessing our mistakes. We don't own them. We either try to hide them or we try to make excuses for them. Y'all, this is my biggest pet peeve in the entire world. I cannot stand this. When we make mistakes and then we try to uh, make excuses for why that mistake was okay. If it was a mistake, it was never okay. Amen? And so, if you're going to try to make excuses, if you're going to try to, well, this person did this to me, and then I just had you in a minute, and I just, I was so overwhelmed and I just got mad. Okay, okay. I get all of that, but it was still your mistake. You're trying to de escalate. Maybe that's the wrong word. Um, You're trying to make it look like it's not that big of a deal. You made the mistake, just own it. Amen? It makes me so angry. When people try to hide it, you don't have to try to convince me of why it was okay that you were in the wrong. You don't, try to have to, you don't have to try to hide the truth. Just own it. It always comes out better in the long run if you just own it. Amen. Jesus said in Luke 12, 2 through 3, the time is coming when everything that's covered up will be revealed and all that is in secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. That's a lot. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying own your mistakes. I'm saying if you did it, it wasn't somebody else's fault. You did it. If I did it, it was my fault. So own your mistakes. Turn to your neighbor and tell them own it. Own it. Okay. Now we're getting to the good part of the message. Here we go. The only thing, here's the thing, y'all. God already knows the truth. You, you can't hide it from him, no how. He already knows the truth, and the only thing that will ever give you any kind of peace is to just own it and deal with the consequences. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from our wickedness. Don't hide your mistakes, own them. Lastly, number four, when we confess and turn away from our mistakes, God always forgives us. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us. In the story of David, when David owns and confesses his mistakes, here's what Nathan says to him. Yes, you have been forgiven. (laughs) yes, you have been forgiven and you're not gonna die. That doesn't mean there's not gonna be discipline though. That doesn't mean there's not gonna be consequences. God disciplines those that he loves. And if he doesn't discipline you, you're not gonna learn from it. No matter how much you say that you are. That's a lie. There are always consequences for your mistakes, whether you confess them or not. So go ahead and confess them. Amen? Amen. Also, y'all, I want to go kind of a different direction. The Bible talks about us confessing our sins to God, but it also talks about us confessing our sins to one another. And I think there's a lot of time there's a temptation to confess our sins to God because it's private and it's God and it doesn't really affect or you don't really feel the consequences. But there's also a duty to confess your sins to your brothers and your sisters. Now, here's what I mean. You ready? Y'all ready for this? I don't get to cheat on my wife and just confess to God about it. Man, it's quiet. I also have to confess to my wife about it. Otherwise, it wasn't actually confession. I don't get to... Run somebody over on the highway and go to the altar and go, Lord, I'm so sorry. Well, if you were sorry, you would go and and you would make it right because that's what we're called to do. We confess to God when we sin against God, then there's confession needed for God. When we sin against each other, there's confession needed for each other. Oh, it is so quiet. Y'all, that's truth. Matthew chapter five and verses 23 and 24 says, y'all making me sweat. (laughs) It says, if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave the sacrifice at the altar. If you're sitting here confessing and you remember, I haven't actually discussed that with that person you need to go make it right with that person and then come back to the altar and make it right with God. That's the <laughs> Amen? Amen? So to bring this thing to a close, guess what? <laughs> guess what I have. I made mistakes, and so have you. What do you need to know? Everybody makes mistakes. Mistakes have consequences. Do not hide your mistakes. Own them. And when we confess our mistakes and turn away from them, we should not live in guilt and shame. God's already forgiven us. We make it right with God. We make it right with people and we move forward. Listen, next week, I'm gonna preach to you guys a message called, I have been forgiven. And then the week after that, I'm gonna preach to you guys a message called, I have moved on. And this whole... Three weeks is all about the mistakes either that we've we've made or that have been made to us, forgiving God, people, and ourselves and moving on. Here's what I believe. I believe people have said that they've forgiven and they're still living in the same spot and they haven't moved on. And we're gonna see in David's story how uh, uh, when his son dies, he steps up and he moves on. And what he says is incredible. We're gonna learn from that. That's what the next two weeks look like. You don't want to miss them. I believe they're gonna be transformational for us. Would you stand with me this morning? And as you're standing, I wanna ask our worship team to come. Join me on the stage. Get ready to lead us in worship. And as they're coming, altar team, would you guys come and just begin to pray? And church family, I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as I close this thing up. Worship team, come on. Altar team, come on. Everybody else, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Listen, if you're here this morning and you know that you're not following the Lord and either during the worship time or maybe during the tongue and the interpretation, maybe during the message, God has been revealing to you that you need to give Him a chance, that you need to make Him your Savior, that you need to, you need to make things right with God. You, you haven't been following Him and you need to begin to follow him today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If I'm talking to you, would you just slip your hand up? Yes, 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 yes. Thank you so much, you can put your hand back down. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I have made so many mistakes and today is a day that I, I need to confess and I need to move forward, I need to, I need to confess to God, but also I need to make things right with some people and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me as I prepare my heart to do what I know that I need to do with every head bowed and every head closed, would you lift up your hands? Mm, yes, you can put those hands down. If you are here and you need prayer, you need a supernatural touch from God, you need healing, or if you're here and you want to spend some time alone with Jesus and allow him to do a work in you, confess yourself. Make things right before God. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Do not walk out of this room until you allow God and the Holy Spirit to do the work in you that he wants to do. So with every head and every every head bowed and every eye closed, if you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know that you need to come up and spend some time with Jesus, or you know that you need to come up and get some prayer, you need to give your life to God, you need to did to confess your mistakes or you need prayer if that's you right now as we begin to sing this song and worship the lord would you step out and would you come right now do not allow satan yes come on to stop you from getting what you need to receive from god today come on right now and everybody else let's worship and love on the lord in this song